On today's episode of Hit the Books Podcast, we're talking about viruses and disease throughout comic books and comic book media. <laughs> Will we survive? Stay tuned! Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, run you through the latest news, the new releases coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. And discuss a topic about the world of comic books for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe down below and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, and many podcasting services of your choice in addition to, of course, our YouTube channel. We have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you would be so kind and contribute, we'd be very grateful. But if you'd like to watch for free, just leave a comment. Uh, give us a nice little review. Give us a thumbs up. Share with your friends. Subscribe. All this stuff helps us out. We'd be very, very grateful. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. So, uh, of course, as we're recording this, it is... Uh, you know, towards the middle, if not the second half of quarantine, I would assume. And uh, <laughs> I've been busy. So, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't gotten to a ton of comic book media, uh, but I did manage to discover that I didn't make a mistake like I thought last episode. <laughs> if you watched last episode, we were talking about how I was going to review Year Zero from AWA, Artists, Writers and Artisans, comic book series. And uh, I did not read it. I was assuming it was because it was in alphabetical order, and then since it's last in the alphabetical order of the titles I had read, it, that I just hadn't gotten to. And uh, I apologized, of course, uh, to Carrie Andrews, uh, who uh, inspired me to go and read his books. And uh, I discovered it's not even available. Lo and behold. Uh, and it's just, <laughs> even though it was on the solicitations and it won our prestigious Nay Life Changing Award, of cover of the week uh it had not actually come out probably due to quarantine delays uh like many other titles so i would like to redact my redaction um and take back that apology because i did nothing wrong nothing wrong and yet i did manage to read one title and again i was reading it in the hopes of reviewing a did the content match the drapes title from uh, uh previous week's award-winning a variant of the week which was mercy number two so i picked up the first issue on comiXology read it digitally and um then once again discovered the second issue is not available oh no so <laughs> that's another title that was on the solicitations. We gave the prestigious Nay Life Changing Award a uh, variant cover of the week to, but unfortunately is not actually available to read. So uh, those books will be coming in the future, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, since I did read the first issue, I figured I'd just talk about it real quick. Okay. Um, Mercy. Mercy. 
<laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's it's not what I was hoping, but uh, it's also not what I thought. Yeah, it's it's. it's o- okay, you are only raising more questions than you're answering. Yeah, so. I don't even know how to describe it because it was less of an actual first issue and more of just a trailer. Like, it felt like a very vague teaser trailer for the first issue. Hmm. You you have bits and pieces of characters and you can kind of read into things and kind of assume things, but it's very unclear overall uh, where we're going with this necessarily. But the book starts out with some kind of thing attacking people in a mine and people fleeing and then it jumps forward and there's clearly some dynamics where the poor people in town have a lot against the rich family in town which is headed by this one rich woman and then later in the book there's a brothel where the poor people go to and then you know uh I I don't want to spoil it, but it's not like that. It's not like an earthquake surprise type of moment. But right. the, the rich woman from the plaza earlier owns the brothel secretly and then has her henchmen basically beat the hell out of the guys that were rude to her and the, the kids in the area or whatever. And during this whole story, there's like an orphan kid that's running around that you know has doesn't know what her mom looks like but somehow knows what her mom looks like and is working in the sweatshop and it's all in like the i'm assuming the 1800s somewhere and there's this kind of devil like wealthy man character that's mysteriously around all of these events more or less and he's riding in a carriage with the the character that's on the cover and it, it's clear that she's some kind of monster that's related to the cave incident. And it's just. It sounds like there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. And then there's this random black couple that are just there to be there, I guess. And one of them turns out to be a prostitute in the brothel. And I wish I could tell you more, but it's just like so scatterbrained the way it was portrayed and the way it was told like if you read it you'll understand what i'm saying you can pick up the details like i understand clearly what direction it's going so it's not like it was incoherent but it's just very scatterbrained and just gave you a little taste of every little character i think it would have been far more effective to just focus on one or two characters in that mm. first issue and slowly to get things introduce going. them over subsequent issues yeah exactly yeah. and then introduce character a and b and you know like do the first issue uh you know about the incident at the cave and then the fallout kind of flesh that out so we know what the hell it means for the importance of the story and you know maybe flesh out the the child character and the the couple that interacted with the child character and you know then the next book you can talk about the rich family and their dynamic with the brothel and then the next issue you can introduce the the you know you maybe hint at this character but finally have the the devil-like character appear in the carriage with the woman and do their thing i don't know it was just i think it could have been a little bit more focused that's my that's my major criticism. The art was good. The dialogue was kind of 
I don't know. It felt kind of cringeworthy because it's it seemed really inappropriate for the era that they're depicting. Oh, like it seemed like modern uh, kids. <laughs> oh, talking and, in like the eighteen or seventeen hundreds, wherever this is set. Anachronistic writing. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So it, there's just a lot of things that were like. Like, if you're going to depict a time period, at least do what you can to commit to the bit. Yeah, so, overall, am I inspired to read a lot more of it? Not really. Mm. But That's I'm gonna, I'll read it issue two and see if it gets better once it does come out. But, yeah, I wasn't super, super impressed by that title, uh, despite the art being very good and the covers obviously being very good, so... um could do with some focus it sounds like yeah so that's that's really my my major criticism everything else seemed passable to good if not you know very good but it was just it was so scatterbrained i feel like it could have been much better organized that's all i got yeah. uh i did get uh the fun the official copy <laughs> it finally came in the mail of final fantasy 7 remake which of course if you watched the last episode i was very very stoked to play it's my favorite game of all time the original, and I probably probably beat it once a year at least, and uh, had it for several days, but did not sit down with it for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. One is because I'm I've been pretty busy for the most part, you know, between work obligations, relationship obligations, family obligations, cooking, cleaning, shopping, everything else. Lots of obligations. Um, however, I think there's also some hesitancy from me. That my expectations are so high <laughs> that I'm afraid <laughs> if I actually sit down and play it, um, it's not going to live up to my expectations. And then there's also like in the back of my brain, I have such a huge backlog that if I sit down with this game and don't finish the ones I'm currently playing, that I'm just never going to go back to them and finish them. You know what the flip side of that is? You focus on taking care of your backlog first. And at your current rate, you just never get to play this game. That is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, from what I remember, it seems as though there's at least a few titles that have fallen under that category as uh, purchased but never played. Yeah, I have quite a few. And Now, to be fair to me, <laughs> I usually get them at a steep discount because I do wait so long. Yeah. I obviously did not do so in this case. No, you did not. (laughs) I had to have it. So, uh, yeah, it's sitting there. haven't played it. I played the demo, but uh, I basically the closest I got is I turned on the title screen, listened to the music, and then had to go do something. So I had to shut it off immediately. Oh, my God. (laughs) But that opening menu screen, (laughs) it's so good. It's so good. Are are you are you playing just the tip with this game? Yes, <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> just toe dangling is like ooh. Got to protect my chastity here. Uh, uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> let let me look at that menu screen, the title screen. Ooh. Don't even show me the intro yet. <laughs> yeah. So, it's there. Just haven't played it. But uh, that's pretty much all my comic book and nerd media for this week so far. Um, I did want to give a shout out to our, our uh, fans. If you've been watching our comic movie master list series, the next episode is going to be the Tales from the Crypt. 
which premiered in 1972 and was based off the EC Comics title of the same title. So I uh, did want to mention that. So uh, if I can find a, a free or uh, affordable version to watch, I will be posting it on our social media this week. So make sure you look out for it because that is the next comic movie master list review. The next one. So what have you been diving into, Emery? Uh, hmm. When it comes to nerd media, let's just say current events have pushed me in a virus-related direction. <gasps> and by that, I mean been playing through the Resident Evils. I have not played Resident Evil 3 Remake, if for no other reason than I refuse to pay $60 for five hours worth of gameplay. So I've only played the first Resident Evil, the original. Like like OG, like yeah. PS1? Yep. The very first. Very first. Oh my god. The only one I've played. Oh my god. Because I was a Silent Hills fanboy. Oh, so of course I played the first three Silent Hills and love them. The, the, those games are wild and bonkers and nuts, and I love every single minute of those. And if you're looking for a horror game with tank controls, Silent Hill one through three was a better horror game in my opinion than any of the Resident Evil games. However, if you were looking for an action game <laughs> with Horror elements. Horror elements, that, that's fair. I'll give it that. I will say, though, the remake of Resident Evil 2, or as I like to call it, the <clears throat> Assault on Precinct 17 with zombies, um, <laughs> if that game doesn't scare the shit out of you, you have nerves of fucking steel oh my god i think this is the biggest problem i don't find zombies scary at all like even a little bit even as a kid i was like these are dumb (laughs) (laughs) you think it's the zombies that i'm talking about there is in that game the remake specifically a redesigned, a masterfully redesigned version of an enemy that was kind of a, kind of a side note, kind of a like, oh, he's here, just like shoot, shoot him until he falls down and then, you know, run away. They redesigned this character to the point where he became the thing. That everyone talked about. Like, anyone who's played this game will talk about the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, (laughs) Doctors hate him. (laughs) Mr. X. We call him Mr. X because he doesn't have a name. And more specifically because, well, what the hell else are we going to call a bald, alabaster-skinned man who stands at about seven feet and wants nothing more than to punch you until you're dead. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. Isn't he technically 
a zombie guy, like a virus-infected person. Technically. Which immediately is just like, okay, whatever. And even if he wasn't, uh, if he was just some big brute asshole that was just bursting through walls and choking you to death. Eh. <laughs> okay. I can understand the stress because you shoot the guy and nothing happens and bullshit unless you have a rocket launcher or something ridiculous. But uh, I just... Uh. Uh, okay. Yeah. At some, uh, I get there's tension, but I, uh, I swear to God, at some point <laughs> we are going to play this game. We're gonna sit down in front of a PS4, and we're gonna play this game. And I'm going to watch you try to struggle in the dark to not jump nearly every five fucking minutes. <laughs> You're on. We're doing this. There's only one thing that scares me. Ghosts. No. Yep. No. Yep. Ghosts? Ghosts. Ghosts creep me out more than anything. I don't know why. They do. How did you watch Ghostbusters? <laughs> Those ghosts aren't scary. <laughs> Like just a snot ball <laughs> and the fucking Pillsbury Doughboy looking motherfucker. <laughs> Stay puffed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking like legit like poltergeists and stuff like that. Because you can't do anything. Talking about you can't, some you can't stop them. You fucking. can shoot a zombie. You can run away from other things. Ghosts just follow you and shit. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. See, this is where I find out I am the complete opposite. (laughs) Ghosts mean nothing to me, exactly for the reason that you just outlined. It's like, okay, they follow you everywhere. Why? (laughs) So they can kill you and torment you and drag you to hell and shit. Drag me to hell. I I would spend all of my time mocking them (laughs) to their face and daring them, saying, you won't. No balls. Drag me to hell, I dare you. Was it Scary Movie or Scary Movie 2 where the girl gets fucked by the ghost? I think that's Scary Movie (laughs) 2. They can clearly do things. That's all I'm saying. Um... I would venture as far as to say that uh, if we're playing by the rules, it wouldn't be a ghost that'd be doing that. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah. Honestly, is the movie called Ghost? The one, the McDonald's-sponsored one with uh, Patrick Swayze? What was, What's that called again? It's Ghost, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you nearly killed me with that one. Yes. <laughs> See? Ghost with Patrick I, Swayze and Demi Moore. Yes. Doing what they, th- the best that they can to build pottery together. Make pottery? <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that movie and Ghostbusters ruined ghosts for so many people. <laughs> because Poltergeist <laughs> made that shit scary as fuck. 
<laughs> and then along came Ghostbusters, which is a comedy, you know, fun, goofy, over-the-top movie. And then you had Ghost, which was an overly dramatic, really stupid romance ghost movie. <laughs> and the the best thing to come out of the movie Ghost is an episode of one of my favorite shows, Community, where there's a pottery class where the teacher goes out of his way to say no ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think those movies did a huge service to the ghost community. <laughs> the ghost community. May uh, they rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sixth Sense kind of brought it back a little bit. But even if you watch the ending of Sixth Sense, the whole moral of the story is scary things aren't as scary as they may seem. <laughs> so there goes that. Uh, yeah, it's like they're scary up until, uh, spoiler alert for an M. Night Shyamalan movie that came out in 2003, the protagonist was dead all along. <laughs> I think ghosts haven't been done their due diligence in recent years. However... There's a Netflix I series. I, I was going to say, you better not bring up paranormal activity. That was <laughs> not what I was going to bring up. <laughs> no, all those ghost hunters, the stuff that about quote unquote real ghosts is fucking stupid and retarded, and I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> but, further discrediting. But, mm-hmm. no, this further discrediting. You've seen some zombies lately, sir? Hey, look, if China right now is any indication. <laughs> Uh, I have played through the end of Resident Evil 6, and uh, let's just say I'm seeing some parallels. (laughs) But uh, that uh, ghost series I was talking about on Netflix, it's The Haunting on Hill House. That was really, 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 really good. So if you haven't watched it yet, it's very much worth your time. I'm hoping to have a second season. doesn't have to be the same stuff, but it was really good. It's really good. You know what? Another series that had a ghost fucking people. Uh, that first season of American Horror Story. Oh my god. <laughs> she literally gets impregnated by the devil gimp. Okay, I wouldn't call that a ghost. I mean, <laughs> he was a dead guy <laughs> who haunted the house and decided to put on a gimp suit. Uh, okay, if he's dead, like, if he's a dead guy, then t- sure, fucking whatever. <laughs> Impregnate someone from beyond the grave. Because, but- you know, why not, I guess, if you can. Means can't pay child support if you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> estate <Ooh>. tax. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that gimp didn't have an estate that he left behind. <laughs> So have you been reading or watching or listening to anything else? Um, the other thing that I've been going back through, given current events, is Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. The comic book, not the show. Yeah, I've I've read pretty far into it. I want to say... Probably around issue 110 or 120. Basically where I end. I don't know how far the show is or anything else. So I apologize if I give away minor spoilers. But basically the point I stopped at was where they're in the future-ish. 
like several years into the future and they built their communities that are kind of locked down and have trade routes and you know patrols and stuff to actually establish civilization yeah and and rick has a big beard and has you know a lot of disfigurement from the things that led up to this safer society uh that's right around where i ended and then uh I just never had the time to go back to it. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously well-regarded for a reason. It's very, very good series. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, uh, where I'm at right now, going back through it all the way from the beginning, uh, where I left off, Rick Grimes... Had entered into, I think, Atlanta. Completely zombie-ridden. So pretty early on, then. Yeah. is uh, the point in which he meets Glenn. Um, that's about as far as I got. Just trying to go back through it. And I'm like, I'm going back through it because I there's a lot from the comic that I forget. Like, there are, like, bits and pieces, uh, specifically parts where the the show actually deviates and, like, things that the, the show doesn't do, like, removing Rick's hand after having him being bitten. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that the show doesn't do. There's a lot of stuff that the show adds, for example, um... The most popular character in the series is completely <laughs> fabricated for the show, which is it, ironic. It, look, we have to put Norman Reedus in here somewhere. I he's mean, just, he, he's easily the best character in the show, but, you know, yeah, he, he's <laughs> he was like not in the, completely the comic new. at all. Yeah, he's... Uh... God, what, what kind of comic book archetype would I make him? He would be like... He's Wolverine. Like he's the the popular badass gruff dude who is always dealing with some will they won't they relationship and like like when he's not doing that he's kicking ass and taking names and just being the all around cool guy rebel. Yeah, which is fine, you know. Uh, he was my favorite character, so I don't. <laughs> even though I had read the books for the most part, I had you know I didn't have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of differences between the series. There's a lot of kind of villains that definitely aren't portrayed the same way. Like the governor oh, is probably the yeah. most obvious. The governor in the books is completely different than the governor in the in the show. Drastically different. Whereas Negan is it's, Negan is very yeah, close. Ne- I think once Negan's they brought in Negan, a one for one. Yeah, once they brought in Negan, they decided to start sticking closer to the source material, and they certainly do. They also choose to not kill off people <laughs> that the book has killed off long ago. Oh, which is yeah. also an interesting take. I guess that's a good thing because it keeps things interesting for people that have already read the books. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some differences, and it obviously makes for different storytelling based on you know who's alive who's not who's been injured who's not who's you know yeah oh my god the 
things that I remember. The prison arc. The prison arc goes so much worse. I, I think I think up until you get to Negan in the books, the things that happen to the survivors are so much worse than what happens in the show to the point where I think uh, it was right around when Negan showed up that I kind of dropped off the show. Yeah, I watched the show probably through that first season with Negan. I think the the last big episode I actually bothered to watch was the one where they famously. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't gone and watched and or read the books because it is worth reading and or watching. There's a famous bus scene. <laughs> Where they are caught by Negan, and Negan teaches them a lesson by doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo. That should be obvious enough for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But that's where I stopped watching. Not for any reason, particularly. It's just I just didn't feel like catching up on it. And it was at a time where it was just inconvenient for me. to Because I was basically just binge-watching it once it became available on a streaming service, which is exactly how I watch most of my media today. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just never got back to it. But I've heard there's been a lot of lackadaisical <laughs> writing on the show, and they've basically just made the whole show about that character because he portrays it so well. But, like, you don't, know. Don't get me wrong. I am a really big Jeffrey Dean Morgan fan, and I think I have been ever since I watched uh, Zack Snyder's The Watchmen. That being said, when when your show creates a scene so fucking iconic but also ridiculous at the same time. So ridiculous that Dave Chappelle (laughs) goes out of his way to parody that scene. And so iconic that the people behind the Tekken games decide to get Negan (laughs) as DLC. (laughs) Because, you know, why not? Because, look, we really like Jeffrey Dean Morgan around here. We really do. (laughs) Something about him playing a child's game while, you know, killing people with a baseball bat. It's, uh, you know, there's there's an endearing quality. You know, it's something you can relate to, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just, it wasn't, they were just following the source material. It was a very (laughs) iconic moment in the source material, specifically a certain panel. (laughs) <laughs> which they recreated with digital effects. And I was like, why, though? <laughs> of all the things you could recreate, <laughs> whatever. Eh. But yeah, so I've been going back through that. Uh, I've been... <laughs> I've been watching the Blade movies again, and... <sighs> Are they everything you thought they were and more? They are always even more than everything <laughs> I thought they were and more. <laughs> How? 
How is it that every time I watch the Blade movies, I, I, I just, I love it so much. It never gets old. Wow. There's just uh, more than I can say. <laughs> the I'm first just, one's good. The first one's good. The first one's good. <laughs> the second and third, I am just waiting to see how it is that Wesley Snipes is going to kill 90% of the cast in this movie. <laughs> As he should. As you should. Because he's fucking Blade. That that's that is his job. <laughs> like when when you take the vampire hunter and you force him to work with vampires, you have given every single one of those characters a countdown as to when Blade's going to finally kill them too. <laughs> so with that, again, slow week for us, uh, media wise. But uh circumstances uh looking bleak. You can probably see why. So, without further ado, let's jump into the news. The biggest news of the week is by far the distribution model and the things that are coming out from the fallout of this quarantine and Diamond refusing to uh, ship titles or store titles and halting much of the production of physical media. So, basically... Back when the whole quarantine thing started throughout the United States, uh, Diamond started warning that, hey, we're not going to be able to hold these books in our warehouses. We're going to have to stop, you know, shipping because we can't, in most states we're not even allowed to ship these products, let alone go into an office for a, quote, non-essential business practice. And really, for most of the country, we're just not going to be able to do business. So you you all need to stop production as publishers until we can reopen and redistribute. Now, the big problem with this is that Diamond is the only publisher for pretty much all of the major comic companies, if not all the notable ones, including DC, Marvel, etc. And this left retailers in a really tough spot because now even if they could previously mail stuff to their clients and pool customers and have all of these accessory businesses on ebay or whatever else to try to keep things going now they couldn't even get new product in the store with which to sell so uh, a lot of companies have been doing various things whether having a gofundme or uh, selling their backlog stock you know on ebay or i know world's greatest comics so one of my favorite local comp shops here in town They've been doing a, a Tuesday auction, which I've been posting on our social media, uh, which is great, where they sell a lot of their uh, collectible issues and variants and stuff that they've had uh, access to for a while and, you know, doing various things to try to stay afloat during this period so that they can hopefully reopen their doors once everything's over. However, um, Diamond's shutdown has been largely indefinite and they've been laying off and furloughing people and it's... If Diamond goes out of business, I mean, everybody is pretty much fucked. Because they're the primary, if not the exclusive, distributors for the physical medium. And a lot of retailers would also be in a very bad spot. Uh, now, of course, you could theoretically still do the digital dig distribution method. However, um, when you do this, you devalue the product that you would be eventually shipping out to retailers. So if you can go on your phone or your tablet or your computer and read Batman number 92 right away, 
and then a month, two months from now, your state will allow your comic shop to reopen and distribution will start proceeding again. And then these comic book retailers get all of this products that they're hoping to sell but can't sell because nobody wants to pick it up and read it anymore because it doesn't have that value. So unless they're trying to collect a specific cover or a specific issue, you're probably not going to be able to push this product at all. So that has been the big concern uh, and the big discussion and debate within the comic book industry. I have a little tiny bit of insight to it because uh, some of our local comic shops have posted opinions and stuff like that. And we've also been reading articles about it on newsarama.com, which is a great website. Uh, we always use it for our news because it's very clear, concise, and doesn't bombard you with videos and nonsense that uh, destroys your browser. Thank God. So shout out to Newsarama. You guys do a great job. Uh, so George Marston from Newsarama uh, posted an updated distribution article about the reactions from various shops. Goes into it, talks about how, it's, again, it's very mixed. Um, the big controversial news that recently happened regarding all of this is that DC announced that it will resume distributing limited uh, amounts of issues at the end of April here. And they did seek out the help of another competitive um, distributor. However, it's it's kind of a two-sided blade here. Because DC is still assuring people that its distribution through Diamond is going to continue once Diamond reopens its doors. And Diamond has also reiterated that this is the case. That whatever they've sent to D um, from DC to Diamond to distribute, they're still going to distribute. And there's... And, in all likelihood going to continue distributing DC in the future once they're done. But it seems because Diamond has not been able to fulfill its side of the contracts they have, because they have been forced to shut down, that DC has used this opportunity to look for other potential distributors, which is probably a good thing for the industry as a whole, and actually found a new distribution method. However, I've been seeing a lot of discontent from retailers about this and it seems like it's primarily because in order to do this and in order to receive these DC books from this new distributor you have to A. give up information that they're not comfortable giving up and read into that what you will the, I didn't get any specifics but I'll probably reach out this week and see if I can't get more answers on that and the other issues that they agreed to terms that are somewhat unfavorable to the retailers on their behalf, essentially, in order to distribute through another venue. So it sounds like they're not necessarily forcing you to go with this new distributor and purchase from this new distributor, but it's a direct competitor to the distributor that's using everything else, and it seems that they're getting information that would otherwise be confidential about the previous distributor to the new distributor in order to complete distribution orders. So it's a, it's a whole convoluted business thing that's obviously complicated even further by the, the COVID-19 pandemic. It's just a huge clusterfuck. And there's no right answer here because retailers are closing up shops left and right. You know, the ones that didn't have that favorable savings or didn't have the flexibility to adjust to the, the changing market every week as, uh, you know, announcements and uh, government declarations were handed down. 
so it's very it's it's a very tedious process it's a very chaotic process but i think that dc doing this even though it's alienating a few of their retail environments is a good thing and the reason in my opinion that it's a good thing is because it's opening the possibility of a future competitive market for publication of physical books now you don't want it to get to the point where they just bankrupt each other and then go back to having a monopoly because yeah then you're back at square one but it would be nice to have different distribution channels set up so that incentivizes these companies to actually uh, increase the quality of their distribution model increase the efficiency and hopefully demand more of the publishers to you know satisfy the needs of the respective distribution channels and their their retail environments so i think it could be a good thing and it can definitely save the industry from bankruptcy in a future catastrophe if this gets going however right now it seems very jarring obviously dc doesn't feel the need to protect diamond in this environment since they're clearly going out to other channels uh if you want to be a little bit more negative about it but i think it's more of a preservation move i think it's more of a move that hey we need to do something because if diamond does go down and it, every indication seems like they are if they don't survive these next few weeks or if governments don't start lifting these these work bans and whatnot for non-essential business well at least we'll have something in our back pocket that we can go to and keep production up as soon as possible once doors are open again so I think it's a good thing, and I, I can totally see where DC's coming from. I don't think they're, you know, the evil, greedy corporation that we may portray them to be and making Diamond out to be these innocent little victims that have never done anything wrong because we know clearly they screw up stuff all the time. And I've heard many complaints about Diamond's distribution practices and the quality of their service. So it's interesting, and I hope... It works out for the best in every regard. It would be nice to have more than one publisher. And I do not want Diamond to go out of business whatsoever because they are obviously the anchor that holds up most of the industry as the middleman uh, for non-digital distrib- distribution. So it's hard It's hard to kind of pin down who's right and who's wrong and who's proceeding the way they should be and who's not. It's just... In very difficult. Yeah, in a industry that has this many moving parts, it would be difficult to try to pin down like who who is responsible for making in keeping at least since like the late eighties, early nineties, who is responsible for keeping the comic book industry as financially fragile as it was as financially unstable to the point that marvel in the 90s had to sell off all of their major comic book movie rights just to stay afloat yeah this was a business model that unfortunately like its fragility was always based on their being a constant source of income flowing based on like a constant source of artwork being pushed out 
based on a constant source of writers, artists, and what have you being cycled through, getting their artwork out there, getting their name out there, or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and for all of that to fall apart like the house of cards that it is, the moment that people can't simply go to their local comic book shop, it begs the question, is there only one party responsible? Are they not all kind of complicit in perpetuating a cycle of financial fragility to the point where we we can't go to our local comic book shop for a month and half of these stores are talking about closing their doors forever. Yeah. There needs to be, there should have always been, like it was up until like the 80s, some kind of distribution com- competition. There should have always been something like that. But, uh, I think the less profitable it became to continually be like in competition with Diamond as they were like ramping up their production and whatnot, uh, like it, it's easy to become the only game in town when no one else wants a piece. Yeah, it's it's been a problem for a long time, and now we're just at a point. I, to be fair, it's an unprecedented point. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not something that we've experienced in the economy before. Uh, at least not in modern times. Right. So to be fair, it did take a catastrophe to <laughs> it did stop everything and sh- expose all of the faults that were in place. But I mean, it was a bubble system. It was clearly a bubble system, and it was a monopoly at that. So it's you have this big fake bubble of debt and debt management for a single distributor that uh, clearly had issues with a business side that was de- has been declining for years and years, although it seems like it's had an uptick in the recent years just because people are going back to physical medium a little bit more now uh, thanks to the popularity of comic book media and movies and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just disappointing that it had to come to this point before companies started looking at other options and... To be fair, this these other options that DC is looking at, they're very small scale. They had to get two different distributors because no one has the means to distribute to the entire country, let alone the yeah. entire market. Yeah, they had to go regional. Yeah, yeah. and it's basically like a, a previously it was a digital only mail order company, and now they have to <laughs> find the means to print and distribute all of this new business. Yeah, so it's basically retrofitting. Yeah, so it's very strange. It, you know, it's it's unclear how this is going to proceed. You know, they talked about. Like a few issues, like uh, the giant size Batman issue is coming up. Uh, Batman number eighty nine, uh, Nightwing number seventy, I think. Uh, those books will be coming on April twenty eighth, so that's the first day that comic shops can expect to have new comic book shops to actually, or new comic books to actually sell to consumers, which is great. Yeah. Um, but if it's alone, <laughs> it's not really helping anybody. Um, I guess it'll. You know, potentially it could make DC a lot of money because they're the only new book in town, both digitally and um, physically, because most companies have been withholding their digital sales to save retailers, which is, again, probably the best thing to do. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, for the longevity of the business. But very complicated mar- matter. A lot of variables going into it. Don't know what the correct answer is for anybody involved, but I, I think this is probably a step in the right direction. I was actually kind of um, disappointed that the Comic Hub idea didn't end up manifesting itself in the end uh, because it seemed like that was probably a really great option to sustain the industry where you'd buy the book, you'd get the digital code so you could read it digitally and then you could redeem that code for the physical issue in the store uh, once you uh, were able to actually access your local comic book shops again. Right. I thought that was a really good solution, but for one reason or another, and we we obviously don't know behind the scenes, but for one reason or another, it just did not work out. It seems like there was some kind of cost issue where companies, whether it's publishers or retailers, just weren't ready to agree to it and didn't want to agree to it just because, you know, they were hanging by a thread. Yeah. You know, you can probably get away with a lot when you got desperate companies and desperate people trying to stay afloat. Yeah, they'll then probably con- agree to a lot more than they would normally. So yeah, Them considering even that to be a bridge too far, that's uh uh that that's a pretty good indicator of the fears that these shops are having to undergo during these times. Yeah, no doubt. So let's go ahead and move on to the next news item. So it is official. San Diego Comic-Con and WonderCon 2020 are, in fact, canceled and will not be rescheduled for a later date. Add that to the list of cancellations that people have heard over the last month. Yeah, so generally the big cons have all been canceled or delayed indefinitely, more or less. Now it's San Diego Comic-Con, which is obviously the most famous Comic-Con in the world and where they often premiere new shows and movies and all the stuff. WonderCon's right up next to that and as far as importance and popularity. Um, we've lost E3 on the video game side of things. Uh, Gamescom. That just The loss ba- of E3 is technically unrelated. Uh, that that was on its way out like before this whole thing hit. Well, they were talking about it, but they didn't actually announce it until the quarantine stuff came down but Mm -hmm. it's clear that they were gonna try to run it with a limited group but they just couldn't because they couldn't get anything planned because everything was closed and they couldn't meet and all this other stuff so yeah uh i'll throw them a bone on this one but it's been dying for a while we talked about it before but i think it's primarily because they started opening everything to the fans instead of just the press and it became this whole giant convoluted thing that nobody wanted to attend. and <laughs> Right. It kind of sucks because I actually looked forward to it because it was where most of the game premieres would be and most of the big system announcements and all that stuff. So I actually liked the pageantry of E3. But once they started having just regular people on the floor all the time, it was just like, man, that it, it feels exhausting. It looks exhausting. The audiences are exhausting during these press conferences because they're all just making a ton of noise and all this other shit where before it was just the press so it was a little bit more laid back i don't know i would actually personally uh blame nintendo for that one yeah well they they were one of the first ones to bail so yeah uh nintendo doing their own nintendo direct thing um 
And then PlayStation following suit, having like their own like PlayStation experience thing. Yeah, PlayStation I don't feel quite as bad about because they still had their their conference in previous years. This was actually the first where they weren't going to have a big official conference. Yeah, but they replaced it with a whole convention of their own. So it's they did. It's not like just hey, we recorded a half hour video with trailers. You know, <laughs> they actually made a whole event out of it. So. I was a little bit more forgiving on their side, but uh, yeah, you're right. It, it it was obviously a big factor and showed companies, uh, hey, maybe we don't have to rely on this quite as much. Maybe we'll just have our own thing with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> you know what? Forget the blackjack. <laughs> and I understand it's probably a lot cheaper to do that, but I just... <laughs> I just don't know like <laughs> how many Nintendo Switches are out there in the market compared to Xbox Ones and PS4s. Um, if the Animal Crossing memes are any indication, it is at the very least an ever-growing number. <laughs> <laughs> A small number. An ever-growing small number. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is, so. Yeah. Uh, it looks like 2020 is going to be one of those years where we're just not going to have a lot and. These companies keep saying that their game systems aren't delayed, but uh, they're probably delayed. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet on anything less than that. I'm still holding out for Cyberpunk. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. We'll see. My heart goes out to CD Projekt Red in Poland. I mean, if Final Fantasy VII Remake can come out, <laughs> <laughs> what's everybody else's excuse? Raid. <laughs> All right. Next on the news, J.J. Abrams has been confirmed to be developing a Justice League Dark TV series for HBO Max. Um, Justice League Dark. So it's going to be headed up by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions company. Um, and they, they have not released the official title just yet. They're just in the initial processing and uh, working out the details of everything. But it seems like it's going to be uh, in good hands under J.J. Abrams' watch, and I am very much uh, about this. I love the Justice League Dark series. Um, It's one of the few books that has been consistently great throughout uh, all of these different changes to the DC canon in recent years between the New 52 and jumping into uh, the kind of half-assed reboot with um, Rebirth, and then they actually had a kind of more official Rebirth with you know the Dark Knight's Metal stuff and all this, all this other very convoluted stuff. And now they're trying to do it again with this Dark Knight's Metal thing <laughs> where Wonder Woman's playing a fucking guitar and shit and just <laughs> all this <laughs> stupid dumb stuff that you'd only see in comics. I can't believe it's mainstream. If it wasn't main canon, if it was just like a goofy side alternate universe book, be all about it. But it's just this is your main canon. This is how you're rebooting your universe with 10th metal. Look, I'm just saying if it gives me Wonder Woman rocking out like the fucking doof warrior from Mad Max Fury Road, I'm all in. No, you're not. Read these books. Now, <laughs> you will be all out in a heartbeat. Oh, no, no. There is exactly one reason why I will be all out for this series. Um, 
it has come to my attention that they are trying to cast all new people in these roles. And you know what that means. Reboot. Guess what a reboot means? No Matt Ryan for Constantine. That is sad. And they do need to give him his own show. But that being said, it's been several years now. They've wasted their opportunities doing these half-assed measures where, oh, we'll have him voice the cartoon character. Oh, we're going to have him guest star in DC's Legends of Tomorrow, a show that (laughs) nobody fucking watches because it's fucking stupid. Uh, You know. Do I sound like a jaded comic book fan that's been completely spoiled? Yes. (laughs) Do I care? No. Because it's awful. Is he wrong? Matt Ryan is great as Constantine. Unparalleled, in my opinion. And literally demanded that hashtag save Constantine become a thing beyond just the small movement it had when it was on NBC. But no one listened. No one. No one. Mm. Now this is what you get. This is what you deserve. You brought this upon yourselves. Now you're going to watch an inferior Constantine on HBO, and you're going to wish it was Matt Ryan, and there's nothing you can do about it. But it's literally once in a lifetime that someone knocks a roll out of the fucking park like this. It's true. And now uh, we're going to have to wait. It's like, uh, how how bad is he going to screw this up? We could just solve this by having Matt Ryan show up. And hopefully, hopefully, they get the hint that people, like the one thing, like the one thing that people would actually like out of all of the things that they're trying to put in here, aside from just having someone play Zatanna in a comics-accurate costume, uh, Matt Ryan is amazing. Bring him back in a show that deserves him. Honestly, the entire cast of that show was very good in their roles. I would be happy with having that show just completely revived uh, I, for yes. the sake of this show. Yeah, it's and almost like it on we HBO. Were, it's like we were asking them to save Constantine or something. Hashtag save Constantine. Save Constantine. Matt Ryan, we're looking out for you. <laughs> Just stop going on those terrible CW shows, please. <sighs> CW is not going to save you. They tried. They're not going to. Look, I you're I, too real. I, you're too I, hardcore for CW and their preteen romance sitcoms. Look, the the entertainment industry is a fickle mistress, and people gotta eat. I get it. I do. But that shit's going to stay with you, and it's going <laughs> to live on forever, and it'll be hard to live down. Probably. <sighs> Next up on the news. Oh, no. No. It's no, here. No. It's here for you. No. Emery. No. You just need to accept it. Fucking no. A comic book is being produced and released featuring the Netflix phenomenon, Tiger King. The title will be called Infamous Tiger King and it is being produced by Tidal Wave Productions. Which it will be a biographical one shot initially, although you never know what's gonna happen afterwards. And is based directly on the documentary from Netflix, Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. 
What do you think, Emery? Are you excited? Are you stoked that Tiger King is getting his own comic book? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I think this is a waste of resources. Mm. I think this is a waste of people's mm. time, a waste of people's money, mm. and a waste of perfectly good talent that could be used to draw literally anything else. You know what I think? No, no, I no. I think you're working no. for that bitch, Carol Baskins. No. What are you going to do? Hmm? I'm going to put a bullet between that bitch's ass. Oh, is that what you're going to do? And then I'm yeah. going to smoke meth with my straight boyfriends. You mean your straight husbands? <laughs> <laughs> Before or after you run for fucking president? I, well, I was just running for governor at first. At first, he says. <laughs> running for governor at first, he says. Gonna shoot her right between the cheeks, he says. That that funeral speech, <laughs> that was the most fucking ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. I can't believe that really happened. I can't believe his mother attended. Okay, yeah, add that to the fucking list of unbelievable shit that just actually happens <laughs> to this guy. But yeah, it's uh, a thing that's coming. I thought it was newsworthy, so I thought I'd put it in the news. You're welcome, world. I am so sorry. They're, you know they're going to make money on it. You know damn well that people are going to buy this book. And that, and that is what I hate about this. But hey, it's a one shot. It's not a series. It should be a series, but it's not. <laughs> we don't need to drag this out any further. <laughs> this is just get it. Like, if you've already committed to it, just get it out and just let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be gone. Well, if you <sighs> insist, I think you know what time it is. Uh, yes, it is time once again to do what we can in these trying times, supporting our local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shop. Please do. When you do support your local comic book shop in whatever way you do, ask yourself this one question. Why is there no sex in the champagne room? Uh, sanitation reasons, oh. I'm assuming. No one wants semen or sploosh juice in their champagne. That That's fair. I guess in the meantime, I'll ask what comics we're hitting up this week. Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. Holy cow, man. <laughs> you know how to drag that segment on better than anyone. All right. Jeez. <laughs> now, if you're watching the YouTube channel, again, we're posting all of these on the show so you can actually see the covers we're talking about. Now, keep in mind, all of these solicitations are as they were. And are not necessarily actually coming out this week because, as we spoke about earlier, most retailers are not releasing these books to the public until retailers can get their hands on them. That way, <clears throat> retailers can maintain the value of the books. So, keep that in mind, but it does prevent us from having to go back and go through all of these different titles to honor them and potentially give them the awards of cover and variant covers of the week. But... These are the books that will eventually be heading to your digital services and your local comic book shops. 
Again, as always, please support your local comic book shops. And of course, we use freshcomics.us, which is a great method of checking the, the new distribution coming out to your local comic book shops this week. Thank you, Fresh Comics. So first up from Marvel Comics, we have Arrow, number 10. We have Black Panther, number 23. We, we, we should specify for those just listening, Arrow spelled A-E-R-O and not, you know, like, yeah, like the, the CW show. The Final Fantasy spell. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> or instead the Kingdom of, Hearts spell. Instead of wind. Arrow. <laughs> uh, next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Donald Duck. Next up, we have Black Widow, Widow's Sting, number one. We have Conan the Barbarian. Conan. I don't understand why bar- barbarians were ever cool. <laughs> I still don't think they're cool <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Let me explain as like the for real nerd here. Um, in D and D, oh god. <laughs> so this is how we got to He Man. <laughs> yes, this is exactly how we got to He Man. The idea is that if you're a big, burly, muscly mountain of muscle of a man, eighties Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm looking at you. The idea was that you were, you could be hurt, but everyone was going to die by your blade because no one hits as hard as you do. That <sighs> is the essence of the barbarian. Also, then you're basically mostly naked. <laughs> I mean, you know, if the <laughs> girls need some eye candy, by all means. Yeah, we're we're being equitable here, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Next up, we have Empire Handbook number one, which because I... we need homework for this fucking another one, another fucking event. I mean, if it worked for Final Fantasy fifteen, yeah, it can work for Marvel. I All swear right? to God, you just need to get with the times, Emery. <sighs> Everybody knows that fun only comes with homework. How dare you? Next up, we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have Fantastic Four, number 21. What? Uh, hold on. Hold on. Just a fucking minute. <laughs> I call bullshit. <laughs> I call bullshit right now. Spider-Man and Wolverine have always been part of the Fantastic Four. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's two characters obviously missing spider-man and wolverine obviously refer like representing the other elements that the fantastic four have always been known to represent <laughs> webbing and claws webbing claws and just guys what the fuck <laughs> you know it reasons <sighs> Is the House of Ideas running out of them? Is that what this is? <laughs> so we're just going to put our two most popular characters in all Marvel history <laughs> on the Fantastic team. Four. <laughs> because that's the only way we can justify selling this book. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's so blatant. But And the thing that kills me is that 
Just like how they have their own uniforms. It, they have. It, I mean, <laughs> it's basically their own uniforms, but like color coded for Fantastic Four. And it looks terrible because that. Yeah, it you look... don't give them that much blue. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Oh my god! If anything, the colors should be inversed, with the black being the primary color and the blue being the accent color. Like, because because the that's other what the other ca- two have. Yeah, the <laughs> other two are like mostly black now. Like what the? How do? You... Let's move on. I swear <laughs> to God, uh, like I'm going to rip this book a new asshole, and then I'm just going to buy the book and just rip it. <laughs> well, you're going to read it because that's what you do to yourself. You were the one demanding that the Fantastic Four come back. You got them back. Uh, Okay. Why are you still bitching? This is not the Fantastic Four I was talking about, (laughs) and you fucking know it. It's fair, dog. (laughs) Next up, we have Force Works 2020, number three. Because, you know, we are already dating ourselves. We have Hellions with a pretty badass cover, number two. With the return of Wildcat? Why not? We have Lords of Empire, Empire or Emperor Hulking, number one. God, that, that looks so dumb. It, <laughs> I don't. The, I have no idea what's going on in the story, but it looks so dumb. What the actual fuck? It, and Hulkling is part scroll. None of this makes sense. None of it. <laughs> Deal with it. Mm. We have Marvel number two. With a very, very cool Alex Ross cover. Alex Ross knocking it out of the park every single time. We have Ravencroft, number four. We have Scream, Curse of Carnage, number six. Because symbiotes. We have Star, number four. Who? We have Star Wars, number five. Because that's not confusing right after the first one. (laughs) (laughs) We have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 44. Uh, No, no. Spider-Man. If there's one thing that I liked about Spider-Man, it was having a spider-themed character without there being more bugs in it. I think it's a great opportunity to have a crossover between Spider-Man Don't and you say it. the human centipede. I, no! <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just make the human spider asses to asses. <laughs> butts to butts. That's not webbing. <laughs> ah, no! Uh, next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle number three. That's looking very classic. We have Werewolf by Night number one. It's a preempting Halloween by a good like six months, I think. We got to build up the story, dude. I guess. We have X Factor number one. What what the? Mm. And that wraps up Marvel. From DC Comics, we have Action Comics number 1022. With Superboy, we have I think. Amethyst, number three. We have Basket Full of Heads, number seven. This is a black label title. Yes, more black label. We have Batgirl, number 46. We have Batman Cross Superman, number nine. World's Finest. We have Batman Beyond, number 43. Although this God, I miss that show. Pretty sure... Yeah, maybe not. I think it's Batgirl Beyond right now, but uh, I'd have to double check that. Mm, we'll have to read and find out. 
We have Birds of Prey, number one, <laughs> because you know why. Uh, I hate, Harley Quinn is not a Bird of Prey member. Take her out. Oh, d- I, I thought you liked the Harley Quinn and the no. Birds of Prey. There's a the reason fantabulous. why the fantabulous bullshit emancipation of one Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn is separate from Birds of Prey. Because she's not in the fucking Birds of Prey. <laughs> you know who is in the Birds of Prey, but also not in the Birds of Prey, weirdly. Batgirl. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, what the? <laughs> the main character. How did you fuck up? But, you know, whatever. God damn it. We have Books of Magic, number 19. Just put Harley Quinn in every fucking comic book. Put yeah. her in Justice League. Let's put her in Justice League Dark. Let's put her in Justice League Unlimited. There's put her in the a, Birds of Prey. Let's put her in Suicide Squad. There's exactly one Let's put her shameless in Doom Patrol. reason. One shameless reason why they do that. She sells books. Margot Robbie's booty shorts. Yeah. We have Detective Comics. Number 1022. Again, I hate this numbering. <laughs> we have Event Leviathan Checkmate number one. The Ooh. pretty cool cover. We have Far Sector number six. We have John Constantine Hellblazer number six. Hashtag save Constantine. We have Justice League Dark number 22. Hashtag really save Constantine. We have Red Hood Outlaw number 45. He's so edgy. We have Suicide Squad number five, <laughs> featuring the most badass member of Suicide Squad, Captain Boomerang. You sure it's not Brother Beanie with that look? <laughs> we have Supergirl number 41. We have The Flash number 754. I have some issues with these covers. You have a lot of issues. I Let's mean, not blame the covers. Look, I'm just saying that that's a very <laughs> precarious pose that they have for the original cover for him. Yeah, he looks uh, looks like he just came from the uh, Tiger King Ranch. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Next up, we have the question: the deaths of Vic Sage, number three. Oh my God, buy this book. Yeah, you've been pretty high on this book, so I definitely yeah. need to catch it, up with it. It's like I I am all about uh, detective murder mysteries. Also, uh, all about it. A black label book, correct? Also a black label, like very very much a black label book. Great. Yeah. Oh, very oh, much yeah. approved. Next up, we have Wonder Woman number seven fifty six, and that wraps up DC. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Aliens versus Predator: Thicker Than Blood number four. <laughs> The, why, what oil? <laughs> you know why not? We have bang number three, phrasing. We have Colonel Weird, Cosmogog number one. Sounds like something Nicholas Cage would star in. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, we have Frankenstein Undone number three. We have. Grendel, Devil's Odyssey, number five. Ooh, that's a character I haven't read in a while. Let's see here. We have Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy, number four. Why does that look like the most menacing version of Mickey Mouse? Probably because it is. Oh, my God. We have Starship Down, number two. (laughs) 
gonna fuck you up, huh? <laughs> it, it, yeah, I have no retort to that except, whoa, don't do that, Mickey. Oh, no. <laughs> Next up from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Killing Red Sonia, number two. God, she's looking ripped. Sure is. Oh, my God. I'm impressed. Wish my abs looked like that. Oh, give me your secrets. Whoa, should go be more than that. (laughs) This is Dynamite Entertainment, after all. I I mean, if I play my cards right. (laughs) (laughs) We have Red Sonia and Vampirella meet Betty and Veronica, number 11. Just driving, because, you know, uh, I'm sure a vampire who became one from an alien and red goddamn Sonya, it's just like, oh, it's a car, that's nothing, whatever. <laughs> I'll take unnecessary crossovers for a thousand. <laughs> uh, yes, that that would be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from IDW Publishing. We have Big Hero 6, number two. Oh, yeah. We have G.I. Joe, number seven. Real American Hero. I just watched the uh, the Toys That Made Us episode about the G.I. Joe figures. Very good. Very good show. You should be watching it. Or you could be watching the uh, PSAs that were on YouTube for a little while. i'm a computer (laughs) oh no next up we have ghostbusters year one number four a book you'd be afraid of it's fair dog (laughs) yeah don't read that book i'll read it for you i told you what (laughs) ghostbusters did to the ghost franchise okay ruined it all they had to do was show slimer once Next up, we have Rom Dire Race, number three. In the words of Conan, Rom, I've never prayed to you. I have no tongue for it. (laughs) (laughs) We have Star Trek, year five, number 12. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 105. Interesting. We have The Crow, Leth, number three. We have the Transformers versus the Terminator, number two. I have to find John Connor. I'll take unnecessary crossovers for twelve hundred. Yeah, that that's a that's a win dog. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Wellington, number five. Like the dish, beef Wellington. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's based on his life, actually. Oh, I would have guessed before he was chopped up into beef. People don't become beef. It's the story of a cow. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) At first you had my curiosity. You now have my attention. Thank you, sir. (laughs) It's nice to see you quoting a racist plantation owner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Quentin Tarantino, for giving me Monsieur Candy. (laughs) Later, I will be having white cake. Whoa. <laughs> uh, next up from Image Comics. If, if, if for any listeners that don't know what we look like, Emery is black. <laughs> I feel like this needs to be said before we get in trouble. Oh, 
that's funny. I just, <laughs> I just had a moment of paranoia where I could see all the articles being posted about these racist comic book fans. <laughs> right after we have viewers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Just, just as a precautionary measure, I felt that I better mention that fact. It, it, yes. Y- you can always expect a weird amount of edge from me. <laughs> <laughs> I get so edgy. I get. I go right up to the line. Next up, from Image Comics, we have 20XX, number five. In the not-too-distant future. <laughs> we have Heart Attack, number six. I think that's the least of our worries in current times. We have Philadelphia number six, which uh, was not a news item, but they have been optioned for a TV pilot. So, because of course, somebody's working on making it into something significant beyond the comic book medium. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, image success uh, benefits us all. We have Lucy Claire Redemption number five. We have Middle West, number 17. Hmm. We have Olympia, number five. Interesting. We have On the Stump, number three. We have Outcast, number 47. We have Protector, number four. We have Redneck, number 27. We have a Savage Dragon, number 249. Yeah. Still alive and kicking. Fuck yeah. We have Sex Criminals, number 29, with the most underwhelming cover of all Sex Criminals history. That has got <laughs> to be the lamest comic book cover I have ever seen. We like, have... It's it's just two people. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's very... It's, it's blah. It, it's, it's lame. It's just some smiling bald guy. And some disappointed Asian woman. Like, what the fuck kind of Paul Giamatti movie are we trying to sell here? <laughs> From Boom Studios, we have surprisingly a little bit of sauce. We have Faithless 2, number one. Hot. With an erotic variant variant. This so erotic that it can't even be shown on freshcomics.us. Wow. Saucy. That is... Oh, it, it's enticing is what it is. We have Go Go Power Rangers, number 32. Mastodon. Pterodactyl. Saber Tiger. <laughs> Triceratops. Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Dragonzord. <laughs> Damn it, you got the good one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we have Once in Future, number eight, which, of course, we need to catch up on because it did win a cover of the week uh, about a month ago. Oh, uh, yeah. So we will be getting to that book yeah, very yeah, soon here. Yeah, we got to get to that one. That one looks so good. Of course, most of them need to come out still, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Damn you, quarantine. Yeah. Next up, we have Wicked Things, number two. Still going. And that wraps up Boom. From Valiant, publishing some books. Look at you, Valiant. Look at you. How does a company manage to go from so just disappointing to surprising in the span of a month? I guess when the expectation is zero, (laughs) (laughs) regardless of whether there's a quarantine or not. Oh, damn. You know, we're always impressed. Shots fucking fired. I'm just saying they weren't releasing any books for a long fucking time. They weren't. You're, You're not wrong. 
But now they've got some, um, man, they, they have some interesting concepts, if nothing else. So first up, we got Quantum and Woody, number four, and we have The Visitor, number five. Good job, God. guys. We're proud of you. God. They're probably not actually coming out because of quarantine delays, but, you know, they're on the solicitations, so that's a good sign. Like, way to entice me into buying fucking Valiant books. Oh, my God. <laughs> Next up from Titan Books, we have Blade Runner 2019, number eight. <laughs> I don't see why you feel the need to put the date in there. Because, you really uh, shouldn't. You know, people don't need to know that Blade Runner is in a date that's already happened. <laughs> the The thing that absolutely sucks about that is that, I mean along with most cyberpunk it's by and large an <laughs> a take from the 1980s on what the modern day should look like yeah and so it's like double dated i mean that's out of date so is back to the future like uh, this this is just depressing yeah it's depressing uh, stuff see, we don't have nearly as much stuff as we thought we would yeah it it's sad because like i have this running theory that Anytime a person makes a movie about time travel where we see the future, we inadvertently avoid that future and <laughs> end up making something else, which ends up Maybe being... Maybe that's true. Maybe Terminator actually <laughs> saved the world, and we <laughs> just don't know it. Like, Terminator... Because somebody was working on an AI that would have potentially destroyed the world. <laughs> yeah, Terminator ended up, like, co completely closing that loop until it finally ended, and then we ended up with Back to the Future... And then they went all the way back in the 1800s and closed that fucking loop. <laughs> and and then the Blade Runner happened. And like, we're, I, I don't know how that loop's going to be closed, but I'm almost certain someone's going to do time travel in that fucking universe. And it's like, oh, no, th this is why we didn't do it. Because yeah. we avoided it and went with fucking smartphones instead. <laughs> I mean, oh. they're fine. <laughs> but I feel like of all the futures, I think Wally's future for the human race is probably the most accurate where we're all just floating in fat chairs eating all day and staring at our little screen on our little pod. <laughs> I really hate how accurate that would be. Oh my god. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. I would I I would much rather have hoverboards, but we're probably going to end up in the fat chairs in space. Yeah, probably. <sighs> Next up from Archie Comics, we have Archie number 713. From Scout Comics, we have Canopus. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Number three. Interesting. We have Midnight Sky, number six. And we have North Bend, number two. From Vault Comics, we have Finger Guns, number three. Pew, pew. Bong. We have Heathen, number 11. And we have Sarah and the Royal Stars, number 8. From Aftershock Comics, we have Dark Art, After the Flood, number 4. From AWA, we have the second issue of Red Border, number 2. Mm. Which, again, don't read the solicitation for this book. And also, don't be put off by the incredibly boring covers, because the book itself is very good. The art is very good. The writing is very good. Go pick up this book. Support this company. They're doing great stuff. The interior 
far exceeds the exterior. Yeah, I just don't know why. And it, the, the title does not indicate what you think it indicates. <laughs> yeah. So, again, they did not do themselves any favors with the title nor the cover of the book. But it's a very good book, so go pick it up. Do it. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Of course, you know, asterisk. Probably not actually coming, sorry. Stay safe. So, it's time to hand out the prestigious Nay life-changing award of cover and variant cover of the week. First up, your cover of the week is awarded to none other than Nico Henrican. Henrican? Henrican. Spelled H-E-N-R-I-C-H-O-N. Nico, when we tag you on our social media, please correct me and tell me phonetically how it's pronounced. Henrican? Henrican? Henry Khan. Henry Chan. Henry Chan? Henry Khan. <laughs> yeah. Put some phlegm in there. Oh, yeah. Could be. Possible. But uh, Nico did this awesome cover for The Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle number four uh, from Marvel Comics, of course, where Spider-Man is inside the offices of some laboratory, you would assume, uh, having webbed up literally everyone except the man walking through the door who is, to his horror, discovering this scene. Uh, I just like it because it's, it's in a very classic aesthetic, almost like a Rockwell-style aesthetic that I am always a sucker for. The lines are very crisp. The proportions on the bodies are very well-drawn. You have a very, just, <laughs> I don't know, some, something pops about it, Even with, especially with the Daily Bugle logo on the top there. And the, the, the actual Amazing Spider-Man logo actually being very subtle, kind of built into the, the bottom there. Just everything about it just rings true of a great piece of art. Uh, makes you want to go and pick up this book wherever it is, you know. Uh, if I had an opportunity, I certainly would. But we'll have to see once the books actually start hitting store shelves. But just everything about it, from the intricate detail to the lighting, the way he's got the light uh, projecting on the knee of Spider-Man... And on the back of the character's head who's walking in the door. Just everything plays well. Um, Nothing seems way out of whack or out of proportion. Uh, The webbing looks very intricate and detailed despite being just webbing. (laughs) So uh, if you look real closely, you can kind of see the details in the individual people's faces. You can see the details on the bottom of the boots hanging uh, to the, the foreground at the very top. Just everything about it screams, pick me up, look at me, uh, look at how I am a master of my craft. And really, it's just kind of, it's like a bragging piece almost. (laughs) It's like that brilliant pop of color from Spider-Man in the the center of this very drab and kind of gray, green uh, platform in the laboratory. It works for me. It all works for me. This cover is amazing. I would dare say it's spectacular. (gasps) Outstanding. Superior, even. How many other adjectives has Spider-Man had? All of them (laughs) would fit. Fantastic. Fantastic. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You get that mess out of here right now. I I didn't make the book. Mm. Don't blame me. 
<laughs> These are well, your people. <sighs> your Marvel people. people just making terrible books for you. See, I need to go up to that company and lead them to the promised land out of this <laughs> uh, out of this bondage that they've put themselves Ooh, in. Speaking of bondage, look what Spider-Man's done today. Oh yeah, he's uh yeah, he's engaging in uh, what some people might call kink. Um, <laughs> Do people have a web kink? Is this a thing? Uh, if it isn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful thing about this cover is that it makes me feel like I'm there. I did Look at how intricately and accurately designed the shoes are on these people look look closely at the strands of web that look like they've been like freshly spooled look oh oh my god this cover this cover works so well primarily because it knows exactly what the focus should be and that is that big red and blue wonderful Bastard Spider-Man is hanging from the ceiling as Spider-Man should be. Yeah. Oh my god. This is this is Spider-Man in his prime. This is Spider-Man as he should be. And this is this is Spider-Man. This makes me feel like I'm reading or watching classic Spider-Man. And this this cover just emphasizes once again to me. That Spider-Man's costume design is perfect. It It's not only perfect... People need to it, stop trying to improve it because it's already perfect. It's, it's timeless. It's so good. It's so iconic. It works in every era. <laughs> like it's, it's never gotten old. It's never outdated. It's never <laughs> campy. It's perfect. Just let Spider-Man's suit be Spider-Man's suit. It's it, perfect. It, it has worked so well that over... Six decades? <laughs> Over uh, about six decades, or whenever in the 70s that Amazing Fantasy had come out, uh, that design hasn't changed once. The only time that they like tried to change it for like a while was the black suit. And even then, they immediately went back to the red and blue because it just works so fucking well. It really does. It works so well. Children, for decades, have wanted nothing more than to have that thing, have that costume in their closet because it looks so fucking cool. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's so iconic. It's so oh. cool. There's so many iconic costumes and looks in comics, but none of them really hold the test of time <laughs> in a modern setting. But Spider-Man's costume, you can literally put somebody in that costume and put them in a movie right away. Yeah. yeah. They, you don't have to change it or alter it. You don't have to give them black jet suits or anything. Just put them in that outfit and send them out there. You got it. <laughs> literally any man could get into that costume. Any like vaguely fit man could get into that costume. It's like, oh, oh, that's Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a perfect design, and they Marvel needs to remember this and <laughs> quit trying to change the formula. The formula works, uh, right? Quit it, changing it. 
when when you try to reinvent the wheel, you invariably try like end up with a square that you end up having to turn into the wheel again. I think he looked good in bright blue and black with a four on his chest. What do you think about that? The last time he was in the Fantastic Four, he was called the Fantastic Paperback Man. <laughs> because even then, he knew an all-blue costume for him looked stupid! Yeah. It does look stupid. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. He needs red. That's a terrible design. Spider-Man always needs red and blue in these proportions. <laughs> my God, people. How... how mm. But yeah, once again, yeah. big congratulations to Nico Henriksen. Henriksen? Henrik Chan? Henrik Chan? Henrik Chan? I don't, I'm sorry. We're ha- butchering your name, probably. Tell us how to pronounce it, and we'll, we'll correct it on the next episode. Next up, the prestigious Nay Life-Changing Award, a variant cover of the week, goes to none other than Raphael Grampa for his cardstock variant cover of The Flash, number 754. It's simple in its presentation, and yet it manages to, at the very least, make you think that he's going through some changes. He's going through some changes that have made that have made him very angular, if nothing else. This scene, this reminds me, uh, in a way, kind of the. Uh, Injustice 2, like, of all the armors that you could earn. Like, yeah. th- this seems like a... One of those excessive <laughs> Netherrealm armors. <laughs> yes. And Netherrealm was very good at designing several different kinds of armor that you could put on these characters, and this looks like one of them. I think this is kind of funny, the way you said it, because <laughs> all that's true from the torso up. Yep. <laughs> and then from the torso down, he's got basically like sweatpants or yoga pants with some tennis shoes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when we were trying to pick out the the variant cover of the week, uh, none of the others were up to snuff, except for this one being the the best one. Simple in its design as it is, it looks like someone basically took the basic uh, fabric that you use for yoga pants, like a certain amount of spandex <laughs> per polyester unit. Yeah. And especially when you get to the exposed ankle, the type of shit that you never see on the flash. Yeah. And it's like... I just Did, think it's kind of funny. Like it's it's like it's like if the Flash was pretending to not be the Flash on Halloween. And this, this was definitely just looks like a, went I out bought for a this off jog. of eBay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, get your uh, your Flash themed uh, jogging equipment. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about the long Flash symbol ears. Like oh, I, the Batman style bunny ears. Yeah, I'm not I'm not about that look in a normal book but for the purposes of this cover i think it looks great because he's clearly going for a certain aesthetic a certain over-the-top look and in that regard it absolutely works so uh yeah <laughs> it's again it's very simple in practice and design and presentation but it's crisp it's clear it pops uh it has a very 
unusual look for the flash which always helps so very much a fan of this yeah it definitely has a look that pops right off the page yeah like immediately it's like this is it it is designs like these that demand your attention yeah absolutely so like there there are parts of it that we don't agree with of course just by the very nature of like okay the flash has been around for quite some time we're used to like a a set look for him yeah but it like going back to injustice and much the way that they challenged what could be designed for those characters this cover does the same thing and uh if nothing else it does what a cover is supposed to do and that's pull you in for sure so big congratulations to Raphael grandpa for winning the prestigious night life changing award of variant cover of the week and once again congratulations to nico henrikson I, I i'm sure i'm certain i'm butchering his name henry khan I, every time i'm gonna say it that way <laughs> until he corrects us yeah so please correct us reach out twitter youtube please facebook we're very good at responding so uh reach out to us but either way very very wonderful covers very great displays of craftsmanship and artwork so really really love it so uh why don't you go ahead and introduce the audience to the topic of the show today? In light of these trying times that we're going through. Trying indeed. It occurred to me, to us, that the idea of disease has not been a stranger to comics. In fact... It's been a comics topic going all the way back at least to the 1980s. Uh, So, in light of current events, we are going to be looking at themes of disease in comics history. Well, uh, I thought we could talk about uh, the various infections viral diseases uh plagues and whatnot that have prominently been featured throughout several pieces of media including of course our beloved comic books um we talked a little bit about probably the biggest one in recent memory with the walking dead earlier yeah we Uh, did clearly (laughs) (laughs) zombie themed diseases have been very popular in the past 10 or 15 years or so and oh, yeah. largely been the focus of a lot of the horror genre in comic book media, much to my disdain. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, comic books and video games have had a very, very large part to play in the popularization of zombies as a virus you can catch. Yeah, so Walking Dead, I don't... I I obviously haven't finished the series, but I've gotten very far in it. And at no point do they really come up with an answer. They think it's some kind of virus, but they don't really know. And then they they're not really sure if it's activated by your death or if it's activated, you know, by a bite. But uh, even though it's uncertain, it's very much thought and understood that it's some kind of infection that caused the spread of this disease and caused all this problem with zombies and obviously the end of the world more or less. 
Um, yeah. Obviously, it helps if they go to the CDC to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, it follows a lot of different threads uh, as far as comic book zombie lore goes. It's usually some kind of virus or some kind of bacteria or whatever. There's exceptions, you know. 28 Days Later is another series that has both comic books and the movie. Obviously, 28 Weeks Later. Yeah. Uh, so, all of the stuff. I mean, if you want to go down the funnier route, we got the Shaun of the Dead stuff. Ooh. Just kind of a parody of this oh concept, God. of course. <laughs> In video games, you got your Resident Evils, which is based on all of these different artificially created viruses that are used to try to gain superhuman abilities but goes horribly wrong 99% of the time. Literally only one person actually succeeds and even then he gets his ass kicked. Yeah, I thought it was (laughs) funny how people were drawing the connection. The company near Wuhan in China that has been experimenting on biological pieces of dna including viruses and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> happens to be very close to wuhan and people have been creating the conspiracy theory that this company accidentally released the virus that caused the coronavirus on the local town <laughs> and that's how it ended up spreading and all this other stuff which is you know honestly it's completely possible but <laughs> you know yeah based uh, on those wet markets it's not surprising that it eventually happened as it it's been happening for years with you know swine flu and bird flu and all these different things yeah to parallel that if something like that were to originate from america we're kind of at ground zero given what uh we live close to a certain labs that's in town Talking about Battelle? Yes. <laughs> Which is ironically the one trying to disinfect all the masks or whatever. <laughs> Got that government contract. Ironically, maybe. <laughs> they are a place that has an unknown number of uh, basement levels. Yeah, they, they have a lot of military contracts, too. Yeah, that I can do. confirm. Yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny that the people were drawing the connection because their logo looks exactly like the umbrella logo oh, with, God. with green instead of red. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so it's a little on the nose. <laughs> it would be genius if that was the case, though, because everybody would be like, yeah, right. Yeah, real funny, guys. Uh, and they'd just dismiss it. Like, real mature, guys. Real mature. But in reality, fuck up. <laughs> exactly. That's what we want you to think. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so just ridiculous stuff. You know, the, there's the Dead Rising stuff, you know, for those video games there's just there's so many zombie properties and games they're built around this idea i mean there's the last of us which is both a video game and a comic book uh which is focused less on viruses and bacteria and more about uh, a spore from a, a fungus that infects your brain slowly and causes you to go insane and eventually die so burn all mushrooms got it <laughs> Um, so that's another kind of unique, uh, way of looking at the zombie-esque archetype, uh, and disease plague end of the world scenario. Um, definitely one of my favorite video games of the past few years, but, uh, it's still, a good game. 
I mean, we it's zombies. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day. End of the day, they bite you, you get infected, zombies. I'm pr- Oh, no, save yourself. I got bit once. <laughs> I just think it's annoying how we haven't figured out another means of transmission that they always have to bite you. Like, yeah. Can we, like, they spit on you, they bleed on you, they're all gooey and gross, so you can push them off of you. I'm, no infection whatsoever. But if they bite you, that's when they get you. I mean, if someone wanted to release a game based on current events, <laughs> probably be, poor timing. <laughs> I, oh, oh, I either it's poor or it's genius. Uh, um, you know, people have nothing else to do. Yeah, uh, that'd be an interesting game mechanic. Instead of uh, trying to be like avoid being bitten, avoid being sneezed on. <laughs> You'd have like the little uh, soliton like sneeze radar from Metal Gear, where you can see like the trajectory of a person's face, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as they sneeze, at him, it's like, oh, oh, I avoided it. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured we could bring up some other iconic <laughs> diseases. Of Most which of them there are quite a few. There's quite a few. Most of them seem to be targeted at the X Men. Yeah, because when yeah. you need to make a threat that threatens millions potentially of people, it's got to be a disease, oh, <laughs> most yeah. likely. You know, yeah. sentinels can only kill so many. <laughs> kill, capture, stupidly realize that they're still plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first one I wanted to bring up was uh, the legacy virus, which is probably the most... Uh, well known of the X Men viruses. Oh, that yeah, have affected them on several occasions, but probably has some one of the dumbest origins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was created by Cable's evil clone Strife uh, in <laughs> the future. Yeah, and then spread, you know, throughout the various incarnations of the x-men both in the past and the future and has often been uh basically just devastating to the population it's been represented in different ways and one you know it's an airborne virus i I believe for the most part and one instance you don't notice it until uh the last minute and then you die and you know just because you used your powers and it slowly kills you and the other instances, it's very obvious, and you get you know boils and you know scars, and you get a fever and all other sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, I, there's different incarnations of it, and you know, it might be explained by mutation or something. Much like what's going on today, they're talking about uh, recently with the COVID nineteen, how there's actually several strains of it now that uh, mutated drastically in different places of the world and then continued to propagate uh, throughout the world. They're talking about how New York City, for example, most of their strains come from a unique mutant variant that came out of Europe that, of course, was the original strain that came out of China. Yeah. Um, and then on the, the rest of the country, it's more of the the Asian variety that came, you know, from China itself and then spread throughout Asia and throughout the world. So that, that was pretty interesting. Um, they're talking about how people are actually getting reinfected with the virus. You know, you can think yeah. about how, you know, proportionally how few people have gotten it compared to the f- overall population. Of course, a lot of that's because governments have been taking 
good action to prevent the spread, but <laughs> you think how unlikely it is to get it one time. Yeah. People are getting infected with it or reactivating it a second time and having to go through it again. Ooh. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, the uh given that this uh coronavirus commonly referred to as a novel coronavirus given that like it, it's novel for a reason no one had developed antibodies to this strain of flu before but also weirdly there are people who have it who are completely asymptomatic yeah so there's for the disease that we're dealing with currently, IRL, there's a lot of ins and a lot of outs. People who are far more susceptible to its effects than others and some who are going completely unaffected. There's still a lot that we don't know. And to bring it back to the legacy virus... <laughs> Uh, that was much the same when they first wrote that in, uh, like the, the concept of having to deal with an unseen, unknown enemy that it's like, you, you can't, you can't fight this in traditional terms. It's like either you survive an encounter with it or you die. <laughs> Which brings up a very important question. Does Wolverine die from it? He does not. Uh, as a matter of fact, there is an episode of the X-Men, the animated series from the 90s, where Cable, who is stereotypically connected to trying to end the legacy virus, specifically goes back in time to infect Wolverine with it so that Wolverine can develop antibodies that Cable can derive and use to cure people from his own time who have the illness. So I guess that answers that question. Yeah. It, you have a mutant that can heal from basically anything as long as there's a drop of blood left <laughs> in that, some cannons. That, he, uh, he's not Lobo. I mean, some he's, he's reformed from a single droplet of blood. Uh, okay. That's from, a cannon. From a sin- oh my god. <laughs> These are your people. That- <laughs> They're writing this. It's happened. He's not Lobo. <laughs> Meanwhile, he drowned his son in a puddle. Because that's consistent. <laughs> what? <laughs> he can heal from a drop of blood, but his son can drown in a puddle. So- oh, if you want to hear some stupid shit about Wolverine and his son... Currently, when they're all having downtime on the island that won't leave me alone, <laughs> <laughs> the the game that uh, this father and son play is uh, spin the bottle. When the bottle points at you, you pop your claws in your head. And that... It's Dakin and Wolverine, so they're fine. They just... They come back. This, these are the games... That they have come up with. How bored do you have to be? <laughs> like, just because you can heal from it doesn't mean it's fucking painful. Right? <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's the, literally the dumbest shit. I feel like this is just the worst fanfic 
Yeah, the, yes. That happen to get a good artist attached. Yes. <laughs> oh just, my god. It sounds like a horrible fan fiction. Hickman I get that you are good at writing, but that does not make what is currently X-Men anything less than your own personal fan fiction. I am personally politely asking you Kindly leave. <laughs> just don't say anything. Just leave. Just, just, just stop. Just leave. Just stop. let Feige do what he's going to end up doing and take <laughs> all of this back to the good old days of like 90s X-Men. Like we all know what's going to happen and just cut the bullshit. That'd be nice. Yes, it would. Next up, uh, another disease I felt is very relevant to bring up uh, is the Ebola Gulf A disease, which was called the clench. This one is brilliant and nonsensical all at once. (laughs) The reason being that this was a disease that was created centuries earlier by Ra's al Ghul. (laughs) Because he was just a virologist and all of that time he spent in the... 1800s, 1700s, really? Yeah, and if you're familiar with Ra's al Ghul, his whole concept of his terrorist organization, more or less, is to basically control the population and prevent humanity from killing itself and, you know, outdoing its own resources and several other aspects of controlled society, monitored society from the dark, you know. He's low-key Thanos just for Earth. But he never seems to focus on Earth. He only seems to focus on Gotham City, <laughs> which is fucking stupid because there's literally only one person smart enough to stop him, and it's Batman, who is in Gotham City. <laughs> so in one way, Ra's al Ghul is the most brilliant of Batman's villains. In another way, he's the most ridiculously stupid villain among Batman's villains. It just doesn't make sense. And basically, this was a disease that was highly, highly contagious, highly, highly deadly, and threatened to basically uh, destroy all of Gotham and kill its entire population until Batman found this ancient stone that had the vaccine encoded on it, which is just the dumbest fucking shit ever. (laughs) It just really is. The concept behind this is reliant... Literally on two things. One, that Superman is too bored to overhear what Rachel Ghoul is doing. <laughs> and that Rachel Ghoul, for some reason, going with the Nolanized take, somehow views Gotham as modern day Rome. Which anyone reading would say, no! Yeah. Rome is still Rome. Gotham City is... Gotham City is the city that you hear about and wonder, why haven't people moved out? It's Chicago. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Chicago. It's fantasy Chicago. You mean it's cold and there's a ton of crime? It's cold. Why? It's a ton of crime. It's on the river. It's... Completely corrupt? (laughs) Completely corrupt? All the buildings are square? Why? (laughs) Why do you live there? (laughs) 
I mean, this is this is like the version of Detroit where people just don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At so. least with Detroit, people got out. It's true. They left. <laughs> they left. They fucking left that town. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, the disease itself is very cool. The concept of Ra's al Ghul coming up with a disease in order to control the human population is very cool. The the way it was enacted was very stupid and comic booky, and just <laughs> we probably don't need it again. Oh yeah. Also, it it was called the clench, which immediately thinks makes me think of squeezing my butt cheeks together. Exactly, because it gave you violent diarrhea. <laughs> how, actually how it killed you it oh. made you poop so hard that your intestines came out oh god your butt coming out of your butt yeah you basically became inside out from the violent force of your flatulence oh, hold on to your butts hence the name the clench <laughs> uh you probably have a little bit more insight into this but uh the disease from the trans metropolitan series by warren ellis the spider jerusalem trans metropolitan oh my god if you haven't read trans metropolitan and i haven't if you want or if you've seen the movie fear and loathing in las vegas or have any cursory knowledge of the real life journalist hunter s thompson this is the uh not too distant future version of this character guy's a complete recluse when you first find him only for him to realize that god damn it the city has too many stories that only i am going to be able to tell here (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i this uh information pollen that ends up uh, giving the character Spider Jerusalem Alzheimer's and Parkinson's at the same time, basically. This happened towards the end of the series, actually. Uh, this was uh, a signaling the end of the series in which you slowly started to see the mind of this journalist unravel from the information pollen which was basically god i hate having to admit this is this is basically like what i would imagine internet gas would look like oh no <laughs> <laughs> this is what should happen to someone who gets in like internet gas into their fucking nostrils don't bring new warriors into this what's wrong with you hey if i'm going to be subjected to that bullshit yeah, haven't yet. Thank you, quarantine. Yep, thank you, quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, China. China. Mm. But yeah, that's the spider Jerusalem is basically a disease that went around and made you go crazy. Yep. And slowly die from mental disease. Yeah, that was. It was sad to uh, see that happen, but it was kind of actually paralleling what was happening to Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, weirdly enough. Another one, again, coming from the kind of X-Men universe, is the Transmode virus, which is basically a trans uh, or transform organic matter 
techno organic virus that basically turns you into metal shit. Yeah. Speaking of viruses and cable, it just so happens that uh, the original iteration of cable with his sweet ass metal arm and the metal from that arm slowly creeping up his neck is the result of a techno-organic virus, and part of the whole deal with Cable is that in his inception, his telekinesis and sheer force of will in using it is the only thing that keeps that techno-organic virus that has consumed his arm in check and prevents it from completely spreading all over his body. The source of that actually comes from what's been only recently dubbed the Technarchy. Back in the 90s, we called them the Phalanx. And that was... Oh, man. Uh, Speaking of... (laughs) The 90s Marvel and their fascination with cloning. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of their former obsession with cloning, how about their current obsession with cloning? Yeah, about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm, I'm fascinated by cloning as much as the next guy or the very least, the base concept of cloning and everything that that would entail um, moralistically and otherwise. That being said, the idea of clones as something that wasn't uh, basically an excuse for people to fight their own doubles it's like there's only one reason why you create clones of comic book characters so that you can make a character fight themselves that that's don't let anyone else kid you or fool you into thinking that there's any other reason that's why who will win evil stewie or a real stewie oh i don't think we're going to have that match (laughs) (laughs) evil stewie won (laughs) uh Evil Stewie is Stewie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, dog. Yeah. Uh, so, good, good evil st- Stewie or eviler Stewie? No, here's the thing. The only time there is a Stewie that is less evil is when he goes to the future, see how shitty his life becomes, and then decides <laughs> to try to save himself, only to realize that, oh, uh, yeah, I'm about to die at my own hands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And then there's been a ton of comic book, you know, main canon diseases of various sorts in various books. Um, Most of them probably in the kind of campier eras of the Silver Age. Um, There's one called Virus X where basically it's a Kryptonian disease and superman gets infected with it and he uses white kryptonite to cure himself but but the problem with white kryptonite is that it kills plant life and stuff like that because kryptonite is (laughs) 
It's both always the answer and never the answer. <laughs> I just don't understand how you have a character <laughs> that's both fucking boring as shit <laughs> and has like the most just cop out ways in and out of situations. Like, oh, we have this rare Kryptonian virus disease that will kill you, Superman. It's the only thing that can because you're so overpowered that nothing can fucking kill you. Oh, <laughs> we have another color of kryptonite. <laughs> Who would have thought? The hidden color of kryptonite. It's the most rare version of kryptonite until we need another one. It, it's rare and it's so pure. I mean, just look at it. <laughs> it's just dumb. Pure <laughs> white kryptonite. I mean, just look at it. The, there are, it's wonderful. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> there, are, there are good versions of Superman that have been written. All right, and yes, I want I want the blue boy fans to get their red panties in a bunch. The the good versions of Superman that have been written mostly focus on Clark. That's that's why they're good. Yeah, <laughs> they focus on the human Clark. Yeah, and not the garbage of trying to somehow make him mortal. Yeah, we're talking about a character that used to be able to create mini me's out of his own palm. <laughs> So and just shoot rainbows out of himself. <laughs> Imagination. <laughs> yeah, Superman's dumb. I, th I think and, if anything, we I need a virus to depower him permanently. No. At least lower his powers. Fuck. No. Please. <laughs> then you get stupidly edgy Superman who's just like, uh, I went nuclear once and now I got to climb with my bare hands out of a fucking cave to he's a farm boy you can go work on a fucking farm <laughs> okay first of all he was a farm boy he is a journalist <sighs> is he yes i don't see him reporting on much okay apparently you must... all he does is follow lois lane around uh, and then fucking disappear okay just because you managed to miss those panels. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly missed out on the one-on-one -on -one interview between Superman and Lex Luthor when Luthor had managed to ac actually give Superman cancer. I mean, interviewing the supervillain you plan on fighting... <laughs> I don't think it counts uh, <laughs> as okay. doing your job. Uh, okay. This don't see him going down to the kitty catwalk, <laughs> seeing the new fashion trends. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it, is that what you want? You want the Superman version of, like, Clark Kent re yeah. reporting on bullshit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what his life is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See that that uh, that Superman movie jaded the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things jade the shit out of me. I'm just a jaded individual, and I think we all need to accept this fact. It, is that your favorite Mortal Kombat character, Jade? <laughs> <laughs> She's hot. <laughs> so much green. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, there's been a lot of various diseases and plagues and pandemics. Yeah, end of world situations. Um, I mean, you can look at Mad Max <laughs> as an end of the world type of deal. Although oh, yeah. it's obviously often very 
cyclical. I don't know if radiation poisoning counts, but if it does, you can count just about every nuclear holocaust, you know, series or event or, you know, piece of media <laughs> as a very <laughs> obvious source of disease and pandemic. Um, we have stuff like uh, I Am Legend, where they have that kind of vampiric monstrous disease or whatever and obviously the book's different than the movie drastically different but uh (laughs) you know that's another obvious example of kind of end of the world-esque situation the division i think is a really good representation of kind of how a disease can spread and what governments might do to quarantine and prevent the spread you know the the first Division game starts with the disease being spread by a terrorist, essentially, who believes that the world is becoming too populated, and he he believes he's saving the human race by releasing this virus, and only the people with the stronger immune systems will survive and perpetuate the human race, you know, with many more resources at their disposal, and basically unleashes it. I don't want to spoil the end of the first game, because I do think it's worth going back and playing if you have a PS4 or an Xbox One or pc that can handle it but uh (laughs) basically it just completely decimates the island of manhattan and they basically blow up the bridges so nobody can leave and they have various ways that they're trying to prevent the disease from spreading because it's so highly contagious airborne disease that was spread on a dollar bill (laughs) in in new york city yeah that that wouldn't take long at all yeah during christmas he basically unleashed it on black friday when people are out (laughs) yep and mass to get maximum exposure Uh, yep that'll do it so that one that one kind of freaks me out a little bit because that's the one that probably could happen very easily if probably would happen if a government or an organization weaponized some kind of virus or bacteria that was highly contagious and deadly that would be the thing to do. Just take advantage of <laughs> greed of marketplaces, you yeah. know, on Black Friday or some other day where we're all out and about and in huge crowds and nothing circulates let it as ride. well as money does. Yeah. Now everybody's got credit cards now, so I guess it's less prevalent than it used to be. But uh, still, got to slide that. Yeah. Still very, still very relevant. And I mean, if it's highly contagious, you don't have to spread it to too many people to get it going, especially in a major city like New York City. Yeah. So. That one's kind of freaky because it seems a lot more grounded and seems a lot more like something that could actually potentially happen. Uh, the Division 2 kind of goes a little bit extra with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like The Division 2, but it's got a little extraness Lo- to its story where I'm like, really? A little bit too much. Really? We shot down Air Force One? Really? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, All right. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but uh, yeah. There's a lot of different things going on that uh, can certainly reinforce your fear of the situation or maybe make you think, hey, things aren't so bad. We're just chilling at home. Could be a lot worse. So Things could be far worse. Uh, yeah, I thought that would just be a fun little topic to bring up. Are there any other really big prevalent uh, disease-themed properties that you think might be relevant to bring up? Um... Relevant? No, but I'm going to bring it up because it's a favorite of mine. Every time. Blade. <laughs> <laughs> the vampire disease. <laughs> like we 
talked about the zombie versions of this and talked about the just the, the basic concept of how easily something could be spread. But when it comes to any movie that technically counts as a illness or virus spreading movie, Blade's my favorite, and I will tell you exactly how it counts. Please do. So the entire crux of this movie rests on Blade finds a woman who's been freshly bitten. So fresh that it weirdly reminds him of his mother that he only saw on his way out of the womb. We're not going to talk about that part. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, This lady uh, happens to be uh, in some sort of medical science, I would probably venture as far as to say she is a virologist given what she's able to achieve and very quickly identify convenient very convenient (laughs) that's convenient dog (laughs) um and not only is she able to very quickly take a sample of you know the the bite mark what's happened to her uh she finds a cure for it (laughs) This lady, freshly bitten, manages to find the cure for vampirism in a day. Boom. (laughs) It's all it took. It's all it took. This also brings me to my favorite scene in that movie, which doesn't even have Blade in the scene. It's a scene with um, this lady. I forget the actress's name. And... Stephen Dorff playing Deacon Frost, quite possibly one of my favorite vampire big bads because he makes me think of the role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade. It's like, what if vampires existed in the modern day? <laughs> it's like, would would they be super edgy goth fucks? This movie's answer is yes. <laughs> Hell yeah, edge lord. Oh my god, he's so goddamn edgy. I love it. <laughs> he's so edgy in he- such a fucking like 90s hipster. Oh my <laughs> god. I love it so much. Um he is having a conversation with a lady that he didn't even bite but is propositioning to bite and have turned into a vampire. Because, as he put, like, it's either I I do that for you or you leave in a body bag. And and she then reveals that, oh, really? If you do that, I'll just cure myself again. And then proceeds to equate vampirism to being no better than an STD. Nice. It's like, God, (laughs) fucking sick burn. That just... (laughs) cracks me up because if you really take a moment to think about it blade has devoted his entire life to murdering people (laughs) who have this viral disease that was easily cured in one day not just that by the third movie you learn he's kept count he's killed a lot of people (laughs) 
that could have been cured very easily. You got to wonder how that weighs on a guy's conscience. Oh, it doesn't. Nope. <laughs> not even a little. Probably not Wesley Snipes. Of course it doesn't weigh in his fucking conscience. How would it when these vampires, these people that could be easily cured if this one lady like had access to a lab in like a day's time. <laughs> <laughs> like this people, the, these infected people have literally developed their own culture, their own pride, their own way of looking at their own people to the point where they view those who aren't infected as lesser. So, of course, Blade has absolutely no qualms with killing all of these people. <laughs> all of them! It, it's kind of like the X-Men <laughs> question, though. You have a cure to being a mutant that's viable. Do you do it? I mean, that's a question that's been asked at least a few times. And is it your identity that you're a mutant? Or is it... Is, a disease that you need to be cured of. Uh, is that it a disease that you're a vampire, or is it your identity that you're a vampire? Is it your identity? It's like that. That's always the questions. Like, are your capabilities what make you you, or is there some intrinsic thing that surpasses or transcends what it is that we may or may not be capable of? It was like it that that would be the thing that I would propose to you to further push the bounds of this question. Say we come up with a way to completely eliminate any and all forms of uh let's just say uh genetic defects that produce people who can't walk, people who can't see, people who have mental deficiencies of any and all kinds. How wrapped up in someone's identity is their ability to play wheelchair basketball? How wrapped up in uh, anyone's identity would it be for someone to have even lost their limb acclimate to having a prosthetic only to be told like hey you know all this progress that you've made and all of this uh personal growth that you've achieved within yourself uh yeah we have something right here that can give you back the one thing that you that you've been missing this whole time you know it's weird uh, if yeah. you're if you have Wolverine's abilities. You're probably like, "Fuck yeah, don't cure me." It's like you goddamn right, don't cure me. But if it's you're like, he's if you're like the fucking Blob, you're like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> this sucks." <laughs> I'm called the Blob. You realize how depressing this fucking thing is? It's funny you mentioned the Blob of all mutants. <laughs> there is like right. It's actually during the House of M. Not, not it, it's not during. It's actually post House of M, when Scarlet Witch says no more mutants. That the Blob loses his powers, and he loses his fat. <laughs> nice, 
And guess what's left? A lot of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We got plastic surgeons. We can fix that. <sighs> Gotta turn that shit into wings. You can do what Homer Simpson did and just take some clips, some clothespins, <laughs> oh, and no. hold the skin just, back. Just pull the whole put a, thing. Pull it taut. <laughs> Have your nipples in your underarm. Good nice. God. <laughs> it's like Kofi Kingston. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, his chest his chest is gross. Uh, okay, that is a very different issue. <laughs> that man has been chest slapped too damn many times. Yeah, he's he's taken quite a few chops, I'm sure. Ugh. But his chest was already gross. It's, like, it's progressed. Bro, why why are your pecs un- under your armpits? <laughs> he can make fart noises without doing anything it's because like, his pecs are right there going squish. Is that... When Gross, Scott, dude, when Gross. Scott Steiner has a better set of pecs than you do, <laughs> man, you gotta. It's concerning. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta make an investment in getting that fixed, bruh. Yeah, there's gotta be something. Yeah, there's gotta be something you can do. Yeah, that, that's people who get gyno that get that fixed all the time <laughs> <laughs> on their vaginas. <laughs> it's a different thing. <laughs> it, it's like sometimes the uh, the chest muscle gets fucked up to the point where they have to like reattach the the fibers to like the you know the in- muscle insertion points. I'll show you some insertion. Raising virus, virus, viral insertion. And with that, I think that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good point to uh, end the episode. Thank you all very much for sticking with us and listening to another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre! Remember, you can find us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Podbean, on Spotify, and many, many other pod services of your choosing, as well as YouTube.com. Bless you. Could have used that earlier. (laughs) Remember, everyone, vampire sneeze. He's got the Rona. It's all over for us. (laughs) We'll miss you. Uh, Rest in peace, internet. I hardly knew ye. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, remember, leave a nice comment or give a good rating. It really does help us out. And of course, we got a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash hit the books if you would feel so kind as to help us uh, sustain the show. We'd be very grateful. Once again, we have some tiers on there you can take advantage of. And thank you to all the present and past contributors to the show. We love and thank you very much. Um, we have the upcoming comic movie master list episode. Uh, we'll probably record it next week for Tales from the Crypt, the movie from 1972 based on the EC comic of the same title yes so please look forward to that and of course check out our two previous episodes of comic movie master list uh the first one being superman and the mole men circa 1951 and batman 1966 so definitely check those out if you have the time and look forward to the new one we will post links if uh, i can find a free one like i did the other ones i will definitely post those for your viewing pleasure prior to the episode so feel free to watch those movies and join us in the discussion um and of course uh reach out to your local comic book shops if you can see if you can help them out in any way shape or form or purchase in some other shape or form to help them keep their doors open until this quarantine is over i'm sure they'd be very grateful even if 
they don't recommend anything, it'd be great if you could reach out to them and let them know that you're thinking about them and uh, that you do hope to see them open their doors again so that you can go and be a great community member and customer. With that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. Thank you once again for sticking with us. We love you all. Stay healthy out there, and please wash your hands. Till next time. My, 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 Corona.